0: This is Ibrox. Hi, and welcome to this episode of the Rangers Review. I'm Tommy McIntyre, and this is Ibrox, hosting for once. And much like a manager who's just found out he's not got the qualifications for the job, I have cast about to make sure I've got the best team possible to cover for me. And that means I'm delighted to be joined by Regulars YouTube's CJ Novo. CJ, how are you doing? I'm all right, mate. How's yourself? I am very, very well, but I'm the chair this week, so I don't particularly matter. Um, I'm also joined by heart and hands David Edgar. David, how are you doing? Hello, everyone. Yes, great to be back. Good stuff, uh, and I'm also joined, last but definitely not least, for, with the uh, four lads, Stevie Clifford. Stevie, how are you doing?
1: Mate, did you almost forget who we were there? He did, there was, he... There was, there was... It genuinely <laughs>
2: felt like he did.
0: We're on afterthought, like. Guys, um, I have got a limited capacity. I'm trying to breathe and talk at the same time. I feel like he's just time. read our names off a list. He's CJ,
2: yep, CJ, is that Novo? No, yep, CJ Nova. Hello! YouTuber, oh.
0: yeah, 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 right. Um, yeah, I, I have to admit, I am just a Russian bot from uh, from just outside Moscow, guys. You're getting limited interactions from me this evening. It's as simple as that.
3: <laughs> well, I mean, it's the, the season of YouTubers, isn't it? Uh, why, why you're not fighting Floyd Mayweather, CJ. Aye, he's, he's,
2: he's too scared to fight me, mate. He's too scared. <laughs> a challenge has been laid down. Aye. Doesn't he want the sauce, mate? Doesn't he want it?
0: <laughs> I look, yeah i look forward to the um i don't know what the sauce is to be honest with you but i look forward to the sauce between yourself mayweather and is it logan paul one of them whichever one
2: um, you know sir uh, i'm shitting myself this a, if anyone came back i'd fold that like, deck chair
3: oh <laughs> i don't think there's any disgrace in losing a fight to floyd mayweather no nah, that's fair. true mate that's ah, true, yeah mate
0: i'm sure he would describe you as being savaged by a sparrow so moving swiftly swiftly on now that i'm into my rhythm and i can put the notes to one side with all your names on it i will say we've got a hell of a lot to get through and we don't have a hundred days to do it hmm. so starting and i'll turn to, to yourself. What's that say again? C.J. Novo. C.J. Novo. In terms of, we've cycled off a dramatic and historic season. And obviously there's been lots of talk and lots of title parties and probably a couple of after parties as well. But as you turn around and look back over the track, what would be your defining moment of the season and why? Oh,
2: that's a good question. There's a couple that comes to my mind right away, but I'd say... It's going to be that game versus Mullerwell for me when we were doing just after the Cup exit, when everyone started to question the team. And that moment we managed to come back and win that game. And the fact that it was our signings that we brought in in the summer, the Kamal Roofs, the Cedric Evans, it was them that came in and had done it. That was the defining moment for the season for me because I went and said, right, this is a different animal this year.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really, a really interesting one. I think that uh, that that game did for Stephen Robinson as well, uh, didn't it? In terms of parking uh, parking the bus at Ibrox, he played a five-five.
2: Five. That's staunch for him. I like
0: it. I, pretty much, I think he'd have pulled uh, pulled other people at the stand if there'd been any supporters. in, to be honest with you, uh, David, if I, I turn that that question over to yourself as well, and CJ's obviously picked a game, um, could be a game, could be a person. I'm just really interested where your thoughts are.
3: Yeah, I, I struggle to pick it again because the, the thing about this side this season, Motherwell is is because of, it's the only time really where we've been in serious, my goodness, what will happen because of the defeat against St Mirren, um, how they would react to it. And more importantly, I think how we would react to it uh, as, as supporters because uh, I, I think that if you look at maybe the Livingston game, the draw uh, that 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 day early in the season, the reaction from us as supporters looking back, I, I, I kind of look at some of the stuff I was saying and think, oh, um, because we were so conditioned by the the last ten years, really. Um, my abiding memory, therefore, of this season has just been watching the 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 club and the support and the team. We've all sort of regained our swagger um and maybe there's there's you know this we've said before oh it's like having the real rangers back no this is the real rangers back now you know that there's a big silver thing sitting there we're the champions we, we've smashed everybody nobody could get near us um and for me it's just been my, my key memory of this season is just watching us as supporters um embrace us and i've I've said this before. It should be impossible for a, a team and a support to bond as closely as this this team and the support have bonded this season when there's no fans in, and they've managed it. And I think that's a testimony to the likeable guys, I think. Um, and as we know, in modern football, that's not always the case, but they get us. They get us. And I think as a support, we recognise when people are given us BS or when they're given us it from the heart. And I think this side gives us it from the heart. Yeah, I, th- I think that's
0: I think that's pretty pretty spot on. And I would say to the listeners as well, um, judging by the conversation that I joined just before we started recording, hearing David say big silver thing actually uh, made me made me titter in the background as well. Stevie, if I have turned to you with that question, and I'm I'm also quite interested to intend to ask the guys as well, uh, in terms of any special mentions for the likes of the journey that a Gerard and a Tav have been through, but more importantly, what would be your moment of the season?
1: It's hard not to say the Motherwell game because um it was such a big win and the boys have obviously touched on it. But journey back slightly um, before that and I would go back to the Kilmarnock game at um Rugby Park may not seem like you know such a huge defining moment, but it came the week after the victory at Celtic Park, if I remember correctly. And we've we've had a habit of, you know, doing unbel- unbelievable results and reaching highs and then falling on her. Face straight away. So with that being such a difficult fixture on that pitch, regardless of what happened to Coman in the end, it's always difficult going down there. And always famously remember David tweeted out straight after it at full time, "We're going to win the league," and yep. um, as and everybody went into meltdown over that. And he was like, "Well, you know, it, even if we don't, it's not going to be my fault," kind of thing. But we had a we had a joke about it um, at the time as well. But that turned out to me. You know, it's, it's difficult to pinpoint players because there's been so many that have been so good. Goldson, Tav, Morelos, etc. Um, Roof at different points. Everybody has been. Ryan Kent's been phenomenal. You mentioned and should mention every one of them. But result-wise, Kilmarnock was really, really big. Especially on the back of that old-form victory. And and kicking on and really pushing on. Because I think that would have given the team and the squad such... Such a boost to come through that old form and then to go there in a place where they've really struggled in the last couple of years, and and get that result, even if they didn't play you know as well as they could have, but to get that result, you know, perfect in it, and it sets us up, and in every little moment like that, we've kicked on. So, since Motherwell was was already spoke about, I, w- I would go for that at match
0: it's oh, an interesting one and, and one that I, I chose myself, it uh, has to be said. So, David, if I switch back to for you for a, for a moment here, I touched on you know, wanting to understand there's a hell of a lot to be said for the personal journeys of um, Stephen Gerrard and, and James Tavernier. Stevie's also referenced some of those other players that were in the Player of the Year conversations as well. But I'm just really interested from this group here, starting with you, that Gerrard-Tav dynamic and the story that each of them have, how important has that been this season?
3: I think that the growth uh, of the side, the manager, the the players has been enormous, and they have had to go through highs and lows, uh, and incredible highs, but really, really almost... <laughs> almost subterranean lows at times, but it's toughened them mentally, I think, and it, it focused them. And I, I, I'll be honest, I, I think that, like a lot of people, you know, after Hearts and Hamilton last year, I'm not necessarily sure I saw some of the players being able to do this. I think that because they've had that experience of, you know, maybe not getting too high at times, not getting too low at others. I think they've came through it this season, you know, in, in a way that, that's almost been perfect in terms of mentality. The The two cup defeats were very disappointing, we know that. But yeah. equally, the response both times was fantastic. Um, this year, for the first time, I think, under Gerard, we were able to put together a run. I mean, we were undefeated all season, but there was that spectacular run of victories, really, from Livingston that went all the way right through to basically i think hamilton um, oh, it 17 and, games, wasn't it? yeah i mean it was it was just fantastic and and i think that was a mentality thing uh i think that this with this side they, they just seem to grow up uh, yeah. and i don't mean that in a that they were badly behaved or anything you know that immature or whatever i just think that they had to arrive in a space and develop into having that toughness that exterior remember we're only what 15 months away from ryan kent saying they preferred to play in europe because it was less pressure so something happened during that lockdown whether it was having that extra time gave them a chance to reflect and i think also realize we're not that far off that we are a good side and if we just believe in ourselves at key moments then we'll get somewhere um you know gerard Stevie and I are doing a series at the moment um, about him called uh, "Evolution of a Revolution," and and uh, hey. and I think that that. Hey, thank you. I think that that is something that's that's very important. Uh, Stephen Gerrard in 2021 is not the guy who pitched up at 2018. Of course, essentially, he still is in the qualifications, um, or sorry, the the, the outlook uh, that he has qualifications quite important for a manager. Um, but I think that it's. You know his development in that three years is enormous. It, it really is, and I, I do think that when he arrived, he was a good potential manager. Now he's a very good manager.
0: Yeah, I think yeah, it's, it's certainly agree with with that sentiment as well. So, CJ, if I turn, I turn to you and I picked on you know particularly Stephen Gerrard and, and James Tavernier there, um, particularly from a Tavernier perspective, how? important do you think it is for him personally, but also the club that he's been able to see through this particular part of the journey and get his hands on to quote David, that big silver thing.
2: Oh. <laughs> Aye, the big silver thing indeed. No, I think it's I think it's massive and even at the start of the season, I think we mentioned it on our second show. I mentioned it um Gerald Kenyon passing said in an interview that Tavanya when he came back brought in stuff that he wanted to work on. They Had been back and looked at. So I think the time in the season obviously ended the way it did, and we had couple of weeks and then we wore back in, it gave the, the players, the management, and the coaching staff time to reflect on what was going right and what was going wrong. And I just feel like the attitude and everything just came absolutely meshed perfectly into this season. I thought Tavernier just really set the tone. I mean, his early season form was frightening. And I know he obviously had that bad injury. And I'm not saying he had a bad second half of the season, but he really set the tone. And that's what you need for your captain because we all know what was on the line for this season. We all know what was said about Tavernier. I mean, you're an idiot, Conor. What was it? Uh, certain failure or something like that on the press all the time. So mm. there was a lot of pressure on And I love the way he just came in and he set the tone himself, scoring and assisting, scoring and assisting. And even in that Comanot game that Stevie just mentioned, I'm sure it was a Tavernier penalty on in, in that game. And we managed to see it out so for me, I just love the way the players have went right. I'm not going to wait for someone else today or he to date. I'm going to day, and I feel like every single one of them's had that attitude the entire season and had each other's backs when sons you know, and all went right, like you've seen obviously the cup exits.
0: Yeah, I think that um, evolution point that uh, that you guys are talking about, and you know, you can see that evolution just from my start opening uh, comments on this pod. I've settled into a rhythm now. So as I go across to you, Stevie, nice and smoothly there, without reading it off my sheet. In terms of that, I work in an industry that culture is a really, really big thing. And you're looking at someone like James Tavernier, and I'm putting a a slight twist on this question for you. In terms of the younger players round about the squad, looking it up to senior players, seeing a senior player who's been barracked in the press, to a certain extent barracked by their own support as well uh, for a period, come through less than stellar teams, seen the course, played like a ranger, Done Rangers things as in pick up titles. How important do you think that is for academy players coming through the club to see that from a cultural aspect?
3: I'll just come in for for Stevie here as uh, he's been uh, called away briefly. But is there a uh, substitution yeah. going on here? Resub-
0: oh, well hold on in there. I, no, I, no, I, to me. I've been caught out.
3: It would be like one of the ones in fives um, because he'll be back in a in a few seconds. But uh, the joys of parenthood, uh, and of <laughs> course, like like uh, any good parent, that he's uh, uh, he has his priorities right. No, but uh, yeah, I think it's really important to have the opportunity because otherwise, if you're going in and and you're training every day and there's no possible route to success, then that's that's disp- I'm sure with all the jobs we are you've eventually had to leave because you you just don't see that progression you don't see that path and i think if you have ambition and, and you need ambition to be a yeah. success at rangers you can't be somebody who's content and comfortable be
2: happy, be there, absolutely.
3: no no 100 percent. and we've seen mm-hmm. big players i think mm-hmm. make the mistake of arriving at rangers Your know, signings and think the job's done and it's yeah. uh, no the job just just starting now. So, for these guys at Rangers, you know, who are aggressive and driven, to see what Nathan Patterson's achieved this season, I think is superb. And one of the things that, that I like that, that I've been struck by is Gerard was asked, for instance, a bit towards the end of the season, would you bring in youngsters um, to fill the bench, basically, because, you know, obviously injuries yeah. and suspensions and COVID had bitten, um, And he said, no, the, the ones who are there have earned it. And I really like that because, yes. yeah, because it's it, it's not a participation prize. Leon King was there because Leon King deserved it and Nathan Patterson was there because Nathan Patterson deserved it. And what that shows the rest of the, the boys is, well, firstly, you can do this because they're doing it. But secondly, look at Leon, look at Nathan. What did they do? What did they bring? You know, w- their attitude and training was spot on. And, and I think you then begin to ask yourself as a, as you know, as a, as a person, could I do more? You know, yeah. is it that I'm not getting an opportunity or is it that uh, I'm not doing what they did? So uh, for too long when I was growing up at Rangers, we didn't bring through youngsters. We just didn't. And there was a glass wall. And part of that was, was us as a support. Uh, I was very much a case of, well, just buy somebody, yeah. you know, because you know, yeah. we we could, we had the money, and there was no transfer windows, so yeah, just just buy somebody. Uh, it it was quicker and it was easier and more glam, you know. But now we're in a position where I think that we can. Uh, now we're in a position where I think that we can we can do it. I'm so excited about Nathan Parsons. I mean, yeah. like super excited because I keep watching him and I look for weaknesses in his game. And I can't see many, and that's not to say that there's not things he can get better at, things he will get better at, but there's nothing I watch and say there's a big glaring gap, and that's, you know, someone could exploit that, or that could be his Achilles heel. I just think he's solid, and and, and one of the nights for me that really was probably his toughest night playing for Rangers was away uh, in Prague. And he was up against you know, one hell of a, an opponent, a really, really big, powerful uh, uh, attacker. And he the first 45 minutes, he got put through the ringer, but he yeah, got yeah. better and better, and he came onto it. And I thought, yes, that that will do for me, because he didn't hide, he didn't get any shadow. He didn't even think, well, I'm having a tough night, but I'll be good on Saturday. He just stuck in and got better and better and better. And, uh, you know, where we're sitting recording just now, we're just before the internationals, he's been called into the squad I think once he gets his chance in that Scotland team, he won't he won't look back, he won't be out of that side because, you know, it's no one near him. There's nobody near him. You know, and and, and I think as soon as he gets in and people just start seeing his ability. Now long term we're gonna obviously have a question to to answer. You know, where do you play? You know, we'll we'll see.
0: I think that's absolutely spot on and I'll, I'll i'll save maybe the conversation about the euros to, to later on in this in this uh, podcast. but cj if I talk to you just there immediately because David was talking about some things that I think are really, really key here. I also believe that we've been rejoined by by Stevie fresh off the off the bench as well. but c j to you directly in terms of that, cultural shift internally and lots has been spoken about this management team, lots has been spoken about the support by the club, the board members etc but principally the ability to turn around this group of players, even from the Gerrard era, failures you know, it has to be said in the initial phase of not being able to achieve some of the goals how absolutely fundamental has that been to not just the rebirth on the pitch but that rebirth of a cultural nature with the fan base as well to see that Everybody's in one direction. Everybody's playing for that winning mentality.
2: It's absolutely massive. I mean you look at the, the team now and it's not just like they're living all like gets on or the eighteen. It's everyone associated with that football club genuinely likes each other. And that's very rare in football where people actually look out there and they want to hang out, they want to have a laugh, they're interacting and everything you normally get kinda of like the robot feature where you go down south and you say, Oh, what is this, and then they're a Kenny Oscar and go their own the rain wise, but they're actually Want to hang out, they actually genuinely like each other, and the atmosphere in the dressing room must be absolutely amazing. But on the, the flip side, when things won't they, haven't they been gone right or if something's went wrong, they're not afraid to dig each other out as well. And we've heard that with the likes, of, um, with the interviews, and to say Jack was very vocal in training, and he puts the, the pressure on, and you've heard that before Conor Golt, you hear it for Tavany, and you can hear that throughout the team now that if someone does make a mistake, there'll be somebody there to help them, but also tell them. That he's done a mistake, and you can't overlook the the way your dressing room feels and works together to why we've been able to do it so successfully on the park is because of the relationships they built off it.
0: Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. And uh, Stevie, if I if I turn I turn to you now, uh, I'm really interested in your views of we had a phenomenal title win long you know held up water behind the dam so to speak that, that spilled out and rightly or wrongly people celebrating etc i'm less concerned with that aspect and more interested from from this group here starting with you in terms of the vitrolic media and political reaction to the celebrations that the rangers had and by that i mean people jumping on the bandwagon such as you know willy Wankel's video and stuff like that the police getting involved and we always need to be careful when we're having these types of discussions, but have you been surprised by how quickly people wanted to jump in to the conversation without taking the time to review evidence? No, it's rangers and well, how do I
1: put this? It's, we are a, a great distraction to failures that might be right under their nose of their own party or own particular situation. So without elaborating, because I don't think it's a a worthy discussion, to be honest, in terms of those that that try to undermine us and and constantly, you know, bitch and, and moan about whatever it is we do, Rangers could come out and say that the sky was blue and they would argue with us. So in terms of was a surprise, no. And in terms of why do I think it happened? I think it happened because we were a great distraction And, you know, when you have a a failing party and a failing government or whatever, then Rangers are are massive. You know, we're at least 50 percent supported by this country, if you want to argue it that way. And the others don't. So it's it's a great opportunity to distract and and cause diversions away from what's really going on. And I think that was the, the situation the media reaction was, was typical, but that's why we don't deal with, with media in this country, or should I say that's why we have very limited dealings with, with media in this country as a, as a club themselves. So it's it's not something I, I, I want to get bogged down in, in really in, in discussing, but it, the reaction wasn't surprising, no.
0: No, and I completely agree that I don't want to spend overly long talking about it. And actually, I want to put a different filter over that particular question. Anyways, I turn to David and less about the specifics of of Rangers and the specifics of that conversation. Do you think some of this plays into a narrative of a classist agenda when it comes to football fans, by definition, are always seen as bad when it comes to the media and politicians at large?
3: I think... Certainly, that's the case. I think that's the case in the UK and probably uh, Europe. But I think there is a a, specific, a specificity. Yeah, that's easy for me to say. Um, I, what what was up, that? Was so was specificity. The, the, the trick, guys, is uh, to write it down. The trick is to write it down. Yeah, Absolutely, there is a specificity to <laughs> uh, what uh, to, to what happens to us in Scotland, uh, and and you know a lot of that is to do with politics. Uh, a lot of that is to do with people who don't necessarily like us but then decide what we think um and it's because we are seen as unionist uh, because we are seen as uh, very much being against the the current ruling party in scotland and the vast majority of the mainstream media that they they get to pick on us and they get to you know, some of the reaction, some of the articles, and as we know, Rangers are, are taking legal action over them, was ridiculous. And you would not be allowed to write that sort of thing about any other segment of the society. Um, you wouldn't get into a newspaper with it, but yet it was actively encouraged. Um, and as Stevie said, these articles were written the week before, um, just, just lying in wait. I, I think that there is very much... Uh, a classist element i think there's also an element that it's easy to to dehumanize if you need an opponent if it's if your entire shtick is based on exceptionalism and how different we are to you know well we're we're different to them and that's why we're better than them then you need opponents be it you know english people be it other people within Scotland and we fit into that category but the, the the thing for me about this whole thing was what you've seen from the Rangers support is something that you wouldn't have seen from the Rangers support maybe 20 years ago and that is the, the unified response and it, it has been everybody just standing shoulder to shoulder and saying right well okay we're you know we're over here um, and we're going to fight back and we're going to disagree with you and I think that that's usually important and I think it's important that the club Follow through on this uh, because there, there, there do need to be consequences. We do have to accept that people are allowed not to like us. That's you know nothing we can do about that. People have their own bigotry, and therefore we can't change that. But you can't tell lies about us, and you can't treat us differently. And I think that we saw over the last couple of weeks that there are there are people, important people in Scotland who think that they can treat us differently. And I think that's the, the the kind of worrying thing that came out of it. But I love the Rangers fans reaction to it, which is just to, to stand together and say, nah, nah, we are, we are, we're united and we know where we're going. And I, and I get that sense from the club as a whole and, and from the side, management, players, board, fans. I think we're all very much in a really, really good place. We've emerged out of this long, dark tunnel. Uh, and for me, I think that currently, because, you know, you never know, things, things can happen. But currently, you don't need to look very far to see an example of a situation of a club that's not like that.
0: Yes, and I, <laughs> yeah, I think that's a very fair point, and I completely agree with you on the exceptionalism. Everybody needs a bogeyman underneath the bed, so to speak. So, CJ, if I if I come to you and moving away from that particular that particular question now, uh, I'm really interested. But looking ahead, we've discussed some of the players, etc. We know the Euros are just around the corner. There'll be mm-hmm. there'll be fan zones, etc. In Scotland, great timing, obviously. Scratch of the head moment for some other people, but we've got. You know some players going to that tournament. We've got Herlander, we've got Bárász, Paterson, Kamara. We've touched on Paterson earlier. I, I'm really interested from your perspective. One, who do you think's really going to be the shining light in there? And I'll widen out to the group to discuss all the all the players. But also, how important is this from a business model perspective as we start to see our first team players go off to top tier tournaments?
2: Well, it's actually I'm. Um it's actually a video that I've been planning today now on Monday, so this is going to be sneak preview for the old <laughs> Rangers players that's gone out there. But you're spot on there. It, it makes us look good. If your our players go there and they have a great tournament, that says, oh, who does he play for? And that starts bringing up and starts bringing us up more in the conversation. But to answer your question about the one player that I think is going to have probably the best uh, Euros, and it's a player I'm terrified is going to have the best Euros, and that's Glenn Camara. I am absolutely terrified he goes there and does what he does. Because everyone's going to look him and everyone's going to say, oh, he's absolutely fantastic. <laughs> so I'm actually, I'm quite dreading that. But I, I do think he's going to be the one guy that can go out there. Especially Finland's a, um, a team I've been looking at him heavily a lot for the upcoming video. And they're a team that just goes about their business. They've not got any egos. They're just hard working. They're very reminiscent of the Iceland team a couple of years ago that obviously surprised England and put them out and stuff like that. They've just got that hard working outfit. And Glen Kamara is such an important piece in that team to make him work so I can really see him him having a fantastic Euro starting every game playing every minute and probably surprising a lot of people
0: yeah and I appreciate that sneak peek of what's coming up on <laughs> your channel there I would say CJ you need to invest in a better firewall I'm sitting looking at your files obviously and I'm just reading off what you're, you're going to be putting out on your content Stevie if I turn to you with that particular question and I agree with CJ I think he's absolutely spot on there I think everything taken in aggregate, Glenn Camara, the price, the style of play, the ability to perform on the big stage, etc., and the an exciting young player. But who, for you, stands out and, and why would that be the case? And maybe put the inflection on it, I suppose, of who might we be happiest to lose oh. from those four players? I don't think
1: we'd be happy to lose anyone from the squad. Also, I'm John McLaughlin's
0: there as well. Just,
1: quite, yeah. quite true. Quite true, yeah. CJ. We don't we don't want to lose anyone, but they all have the, the potential to excel. I think they're all top players. I think that CJ is right. And when he says Glenn Kamara, I think Borna Barisic as well, has, they've got the chance to really stand out. But Philip Holander as well is, is such a solid defender and uh, performing as well that he he could he could really be a standout. In regards to Nathan Patterson, I'm not sure that Nathan Patterson will, will get much game time. He should get game time, but I'm not should, sure he yeah. will.
2: Yeah,
1: but all four of them, and even John McLaughlin. <laughs> again, I know we're biased, but when you look at the the goals conceded the other night, I really think that John McLaughlin deserves a chance to start, and not in a game against Luxembourg where it will tell you absolutely nothing either. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I, I think that each player is their own merit. I think they could all shine if they're given the opportunity. In terms of excelling, you're looking at Barisic and Kamara being the ones, but. If you do, if we go back to the question of, of who do you who can we afford to lose or, or, or whatever from the squad, the answer is none of them. Yeah. Realistically, we know that if big money comes in for a for a certain player, that that we might have to look at selling. But all I would say is I hope that that big money is actually big money. When you're talking about Yanis Haji going for fifteen million, I don't consider that to be big money for Yanis Haji. Nope. You need to stick another five on that before I'd even be interested. And people might say twenty million for Yanis Haji. and I would argue the point that Yanis Haji is, you know, young an international. Game starter,
3: I a would game say changer. that I would say that Yanis Hadji is very much the equivalent of letting a bet run, um, <laughs> because yeah, we're being offered yeah. a great a, I, a superb cash yeah. out, but. Absolutely. but Giannis Hadji in two years, I think, is going to be worth you know a significant amount of money but right. And sh- you know, surely we should, we all should learn. Um, I- I'd written Bonabaris off at the end of his first season. Mm. I-, I I'll hold my hands up to that. I thought he was done at Rangers. How wrong was I? Ryan Kent is a far better player now than. Oh. Yeah. Even in his first season when we all liked him and wanted him to stay, but he's much better now. Even Alfie, you know, he's got better year on year on year. So, you know, Hadji, I think, will will be the same as that. Um, but what I think is encouraging is that instead of getting to the summer and going, good, it's a chance to get rid of him, 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 and, and him, <laughs> which was kind of, you yeah. know, the, the past decade, I, I will be gutted when guys from this team go. Um, because, yeah, you know, they're just... I just really like them and I I appreciate what they've done for us. And and I think that, you know, that that was, I got a bit of criticism and I think, in fact, I know that the the other boys on here did about the cup defeat, that while I was absolutely a St. Johnson one, while I was absolutely gutted, I wasn't really in a pitchfork mood. Exactly. And maybe that is, you know, but any team that that secured us 55, but the way they did it, the fact they gave us, what, Six months of lording it, and we're not even into the summer yet. You know, six months of lording it over the rest of Scottish football. Um, they, that was special to me. And, I, I, you know, I just look at the, the guys in, in terms of where I think they could be in two to three year time. You're born at 29, so probably, you know, not. This is maybe how Mattie's peak years. But I look at Glenn Camara and I think, I, I can't see a league you couldn't play in. Yeah,
2: that's exactly
3: spot on. Oh uh, La Liga, Serie A, EPL. I think you would be a star in all of them. I look at Hadji and I think, man, I look at Kent and I just, you know, wow. And then quite often I'll sit and I'll watch the EPL, and there'll be these sides, you know, you know, decent sides that are all sort of mid level, and and they've all got strikers that cost thirty, forty million, and I think are you honestly telling me, Alfie? wouldn't do a much better job for them. Now I'm not chasing any of these guys. I'd love them to stay for years and years and years, but I suppose it's it's a good thing that, you know, if if we needed to there's, you know, what 80 or 100 million pounds worth of talent sitting there.
0: And I think that's the key the key point, you know, we would all love the utopian view that all these players would stay would stay forever and we'd get to see absolutely all the best of them. We're also all pragmatists in this call. and I'd imagine pragmatists in the wider Rangers community as well in that there's a player trading business model. Mm. And so, therefore, the Euros, much like any sort of tournament in general, is a short window with fans or no fans type of thing. And the question was just to try and make sure that we could flush out, you know, who could be that I think I agree with you in terms of age, etc., it would probably be in the Hellander Barisic uh terminology there. But actually if I turn that question round about into uh, you know CJ I'll start i start with your yourself, it's a good open door to take us through that into as we look at the post uh, I almost say post there, but post... <laughs> it post, feels like that. It does. It, it certainly feel like it for a long, long time, to be honest with you. Um, the post-championship uh, glow, I have to say, get my get my teeth around that one. Um, the post-championship glow, in terms of we look at, we've added the likes of, let's say, Wright and Simpson, who are bought for the future, but, you know, were able to come in early. We've got ball, we've got Sakala as well coming into the club. As we look at the squad, do we feel it is absolutely CL ready or indeed where do you think upgrades need to occur? I
2: think I think you'd always want to of push forward. You didn't ever want to stand still because that's when people catch you. I think you'd always want to add other pieces. And I think the the business we've done with, like Simpson, you've mentioned, Scotty Wright, I think Sakala's going to be a very, very exciting player. If he's half as good as his interviews and how much he's talking is that what a player we're actually in for. But you've heard it by Gerard, You've even heard it by the players themselves. They're, they they welcome the competition. They, they welcome the quality going into that dressing room. And I just feel like that is what it will be. I don't think there'll be that one player that's going to come in and push, say, an Alfie at the way or a Rank. It's none of that. It's just... Adding more rounded quality into your team to make us even stronger as a unit because that's what's got us through in the league. It's having that strength and depth when they're living, um, just say a couple of injuries or someone needs to be rested. We've had that rotation, there hasn't been that gap now between the starting 11 and the bench. And obviously, we're going to take a massive step up when we go to the Champions League. But even in saying that, look at some of the teams we've played in the Europa League. As I don't think it's going to be much harder than the likes of Benfica, who spent a hundred odd million in the summer. Who's that? We played Poto, um not too long ago, and you've seen what they were doing in the Champions League. So I don't think the jump from the Champions League to Europa League, as as big as a lot of people's making it out to be, but again, there is obviously the mouthwatering ties and more of the type of game. So it's definitely going to be difficult, but I just feel like there's going to be pieces added just to strengthen the overall unit. I think yeah, it's, I, well,
3: it's the... Sorry, the Sorry, Tommy. I think as well it's the the attraction thing. Um, exactly. If we can offer Champions League football, then we you know it becomes easier to sign players. It does. Definitely. Um, the one guy actually, just as as Tommy was was asking the question there, and I was listening to everyone's response. Uh, an interesting thing I thought might be if you flipped it and said, right, okay, we know that we've got to probably sell one or, or two players. Who's who are the oh. ones? Over kind of our kinda, you know I'm not talking about a, a Tav who's you know just signed a new deal. I'm talking about you know of the ones that were, who would be the least likely that you would or or the one you would least want to go and and for me I would have to say that's probably Kent. Yep. Yeah. Um. I just I think I, I, one he's really happy here and don't that, you know don't underrate that as a quality. Um. But again improvement year on year and. You know, While I'm I'm not normally a fan of anything Derek Ferguson says, uh, he, he said an interesting thing uh, a few weeks ago on the Blues Brothers pod where he was asked his player of the year and he said, well, I'm going for Ryan Kemp because I asked Lewis Ferguson, obviously Aberdeen, he says, he is the one guy that you sit down with your teammates and go, how do we stop him? And we all go, no idea.
2: No idea. Yeah. yeah. Now, I mean, I'm not, not just this Kenny piggyback back your answer there, but it would be Ryan Kemp for me. He adds a something... To this Rangers team, that I didn't think anyone else is, and that's not me being disrespectful to anybody else. He is the heartbeat to the Rangers machine this year, and you can see his progression. He's getting better. He's too food and numbers
3: are coming in now. You yeah, know, and yeah,
2: and and yeah. I mean he's he's bought two crocodiles, so he's obviously happy here. You know, he's gone. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. All right, he's got crocodiles. everything's fine. We don't
3: need to it j-
0: I love I, that. That's but, probably spot on. Uh, I think that's probably spot on there in terms of he is that he's probably that one player that other teams have to plan around accordingly. But Stevie, if I flick back to back to your good self there, because there, there's an interesting um, comment that CJ made, and I, I'm with him. I don't think the actual step up into the the Champions League is as big as a lot of people think. There's just a small core of teams inside that that are that are stellar because of their budgets. How important do you think it will be for the less? Uh, for this CL tilt coming up, so to speak, that we've cycled through that cohesion, those challenges on the road and at home, with some really, really top tier budgeted teams in the Europa League?
1: Yeah, I think it's vitally important. As much as it was important to the growth of the team at the time it was it was happening, but when you when you play the Benfica's and Villarreals and things, it can only heighten your appetite, but it'll never It'll never prepare you for, for the levels that are actually out there. Don't forget, you know, if we are lucky enough to, to qualify, and it's a very tough task to do that, if we're lucky enough to qualify, we'll probably be four seeds, which means that there's three potentially huge clubs above us. So if we get to that level, then it's it's just a, it's a playground for us in terms of just enjoying it and seeing how well we do. But go back to something that CJ says, and I completely agree. We, we can't afford to stand still. I don't think there's a lot of business to be done this summer, but we have to make sure it's critically right. I don't think there'll be a lot of money spent, you know, in terms of probably similar to last summer again, and that would be you know, fantastic considering the the investment by the board and things at this moment. But if we're lucky enough, we need to make sure that there are signings of the quality of last season, the likes of Kamar Roof, etc. So, we have to make it count. I, I do think that we need to significantly upgrade our midfield in terms of of numbers and options, whether it's one, whether it's two, whether it's even three. So we do have work to do in there. The rest of the team, I I'm pretty happy with. You know, we've got uh, lots of cover up front. We've got 95 centre-backs. So we're absolutely fine. Oh, (laughs) the (laughs) centre-backs! A lot of (laughs) centre-backs. Soon going to be a Walter Smith side with them playing That's right back, the chum, left wing, etc. <laughs> Ten at so. the back, let <laughs> But, yeah, I would like to see some investment in midfield, definitely.
2: I think we need legs in the midfield as well, just... Um, obviously with Scotty Arfield And absolutely love the boy Stephen Davis And he's just had an incredible year But just We were more legs I think that's what we tried to do When we brought Zungu Into the team and that as well But obviously With how well Davis went and played The entire year Zungu really couldn't get it in When he did He didn't do too much To actually say No I deserve mere starts But I just feel like Mere energy Mere legs And again a couple of guys That just goes in there Absolute nails Challenges That would be nice yeah.
0: So David actually To you how important, just to put a twist on that for a moment, how important is Ross Wilson at the moment?
3: Well, look, he, this is how it's supposed to work. That That is, the, the in a way, the most important person at the club. Now, we're, I think all traditionalists and we'll always say the manager, and a, you know, a good or a bad manager can screw you up. But if the manager doesn't, uh, doesn't have the support and doesn't, Get given the the materials to work with, then you can be a wonderful manager. But if you don't have the players, and I, I always go back to Pep Guardiola's first season at Man City, um, where he, you know, he just didn't have the squad, and then he got the squad, and wow. Um, and I think that to to a degree that that's been the case at Rangers. Also, we trust in our recruitment, and we're a bloody demanding support. And yet, I think we all agree that. Right, we'll probably lose one or two, but you're confident that they'll bring in some. Now, some won't work. Um, I think that's that's fair to say. Some players that we sign will be punts, you know. Um, but then, even if you look at the guys who who have been punts over the last twelve months, you would say Simpson, okay, jury's still out. Scott Wright, success already. You're um,
2: very lucky you said success there when Steve I know. the
3: job, <laughs> I, I wouldn't have brought it up otherwise, you know, I'm not oh. ready. Um, but but you know, look like for what, a hundred grand, hundred and fifty grand, brilliant. Uh-huh. You know, he's already made a contribution and, and again I'm excited to to see what develops in the future because he's a quality player. Um I think that Ross Wilson has a strategic vision, and both of those terms are important because it's all right having a vision. Mark Warburton had a vision but you need to have a strategy on how to get there and i think wilson has both i think that he knows what he wants his rangers team to be and by that i mean you know back then um but he no- he also has a plan in place on how we're going to get there which is very very important um <laughs> ross wilson's cv suggested we were getting somebody good uh, that that is important and again you know when when we're seeing an almost Herculean level of turd polishing going on in the Scottish media at the moment that yes, you can be sold something and told that it's wonderful but in black and white when you're reading down somebody's CV, he looked like somebody who would bring that level of professionalism to the club Rangers are just, you know, we're streets ahead of everybody else at the moment in in the SPFL in terms of professionalism but we're streets ahead of where Rangers have been probably since the 90s and, and mm-hmm. you know, part of our problem is in the 90s, we were dynamic, but we, we just refused to change. So what happened is what had been cutting edge stopped being cutting edge. And that'll be a challenge for these guys as their methods, you know, will they be able to evolve as football evolves? But that's for another day. At the moment, you get the impression that, that these are guys who are very much at the, the top of their game.
0: Yeah, I, I, absolutely. I think we all know that that, uh, that evolution and revolution to, to bastardise what you said earlier, um, has to continue. If I turn back to yourself, Stevie, for a moment, we've discussed at length here on this pod the the process of building a successful team on the pitch. Rangers are very much in the business of building success off it as well, and we've seen dramatic changes behind the scenes. They are none more so than the recent uh, announcements, etc., and some of the pictures of the Rangers' museum and i'll touch on some other things about shared issues in a while as well but i'm really interested from your perspective we've also touched on things like culture the way that the media reacts in this this country etc how important is it for rangers the rangers community and the wider rangers disparate to be able to tell our story and what it means to people in our own museum
1: i think it's years overdue in terms of a club hour size, should yeah, really yeah. be be having that. Um, the, the new, I mean, Edmondson Drive, Edmondson now is a new idea for it, you know, with a, a concert space, you know, for live nights out, David Harnhand, hand,
3: Yes, et 100%, absolutely.
1: You know, these these are all, this, this is what we should have. And what we have now, not only is, you touched on Ross Wilson, but Stephen Gerrard, etc., but we've now got James Bisgrove, who, you know, obviously he's been on Heart in Hand recently, going to be speaking to him soon, hopefully myself, but he's, you know, tripled Rangers' commercial investment. He's, he's bringing in close to £10 million extra revenue and things, and he has a vision of where we should be, what we should be doing, and, and you know, even stuff like the pub where the, the current shop is and things like that. This is all, you know, this is all exciting revenue for the club, even if these things don't pan out and don't necessarily work the way we want, I get the impression with James Bisgrove that say we can't put a pub in the corner of the the, the stadium. We'll find another way to put it somewhere and, and get that revenue in because he's all about revenue and he's all about, you know, you look at the, the amount of partners we have at the moment and it's all about growth and commercial kind of building. I would love to ask him where, where he sees Rangers being because what his end game and, and where the club, where he wants him to go. That that would be a really interesting question for him. But in terms of, you know, appointments and things we've done, you know, Ross Wilson is vital. James Besgrove is just as important for me. And when you look at the museum, you look at Edmondson House and things, these are things that, this is something that we should be really proud of. And being able to have that space and, and do that and tell that story is incredible. And if you look at, you know, obviously the trophy room is iconic, but the trophy room, you know, as as the showpiece. It doesn't necessarily tell tell the story in terms of I've been to um Old Trafford and, and done the Old Trafford tour and their museum section is is unbelievable. You can watch, you know, documentaries. You can be in there for hours and hours watching documentaries of, of their European Cup wins and stuff. And I think that a club our size should definitely have an area where we can tell the story of nineteen seventy two you know, and, and many other things. It, it's actually a friend of mine from back home, Joe Morrison, who you would have heard Stuart Robertson talking about. He's actually the curator for the museum and he's he's gathering everything and some of the stuff that he's um, told us is going to be in there that he's found in boxes and things in Ibrox is unbelievable. And we'll be hopefully speaking to him soon, David, on, on heart and hand. So, it, you know... So excited about the museum and, and it's a chance just to tell our story. We've got so much history and I mean the, the the really bad parts and the fantastic parts. It's our story and we should be proud of it and we should be telling everybody, you know, in the world and help spread our story.
3: I'd, uh, If you don't mind, I'd, I'd like to come in on something there. Um, one of the things that I know that we all get, all of us that are on this uh, on this podcast tonight, is that whenever you say something positive, because this has been a positive, you know, we're excited and you can hear it and we're praising people at the club, and what you get told is, ah, well, you're just saying that because you have some ulterior motive. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, in my case, well, they, you know, it's your mates and they give you passes and, oh, you want this, Stevie, and CG, you want that, Tommy, you want this. And it's like, guys, the 10 years we've just had,
2: let's let us be happy. This. Yeah, uh,
3: you know, and you should be happy too. And if it goes tits up in a year, we will say this is shite. But right now, uh, what you're asking us to do is to to look round and say, see the commercial manager that that raised it by three times? Nah, fuck him. Um, <laughs> see the good recruitment that Ross, Ross Wilson's done. i but he he did sign this guy, and he was rubbish. You know. I, I'm sorry. I've spent ten years where everything was at negative. times a chore and negative, and maybe some people are just addicted to that. To that, but it's football. There will be loads that will come along soon, and and that's just the reality of it. So right now, yeah, we are upbeat. Yeah, we are positive, and we may be wrong. And then you know, a year or in two years. But it, it it's one of the, the kind of few things that annoys me is when people do say that you must have an ulterior motive, and you think. That that's you projecting onto me. You know, you're thinking you can't just be that happy. Uh, well, I can. <laughs> you know, I'm a simple, simple fellow. Rangers going undefeated, playing great football, scoring a World Day every week, getting to the last sixteen of the Europa League, uh, and winning the title by hundred and six points. That is enough to make me happy. I admit it. And
0: I think we can all, t- I think we can all get on line with that. And CJ, before I turn to you with the the final question, it's really interesting coming off the back of that you know um our history uh conversation and you know i'll take my opportunity to, to plug and say you can read some about that history in my upcoming book rangers 101 hey. from flaris publishing out in october pre-order it now uh Very there
3: we go forward to that
0: yeah they yeah, just edit that one out now um <laughs> geez, geez, i told to your good self buddy i'm really interested over the last couple of days rangers obviously announced uh fundamental shift in the shareholding of the club and reaching out to to the support and um, you know 500 minimum buy in all that type yeah. of thing but not just the nuts and bolts of it I'm really really interested from people who've cycled through all of the the good and bad of the club how much of a watershed moment of this uh, is this when it comes to the fan involvement in the club but also the rectification of some previous previous wrongs and things that used to be on the table
2: well, this is exactly what we've wanted now for so long. For as long as I can remember, I can remember even for the younger days and everything, hear my dad and everything like that, it was like fan the mere the mayor fans are invested in a football club, the mayor they've got the control, the safer the football club is. And I mean if you look at the the teams over in the Bundesliga, the way they've got their, their things set up with fan ownerships and how much control and that they've got it's it's incredible to watch over there and I'm just happy that now we're getting in a space that fans are able to put the money, if they can afford it obviously, if they can put their, their money out there and get more control of the football club and again assure it's safety for the next um, 100 years and for me that's that's everything, that's everything we've ever wanted so I, I've got nothing but praise you, get all the crazy people online and the people from the other side saying oh they're needing this and this, that's a lot of bollocks the, the, the club's given us exactly what we want and that's the chance being more invested in the football club.
3: Do you know why they're doing it right now? And I mean, it's because they can. (laughs) And and yeah, because it's a good time to ask. We're buying chocolate for eight quid, for fuck's sake, right? It's the best
2: chocolate
3: I've ever had with. I'm not eating it, eight quid. Jesus, it's sort of a plinth in here. But, um, you know, Castor could bring out a bin bag with RFC on it and it'll get it for 80 quid and people will buy it. So that's why they're doing it. They're they're, they're cashing in while the iron is hot. Um, Again, you know, because some people i don't know if it's an agenda or just a strange need to to moan i've heard because i said oh this is quite a good idea you know money going into the club like, oh you you're mr fan ownership you were like i'm like, i don't recall saying don't invest in club 1872 either because you can do both i mean i'm going in, eh? you know I, i've signed up for this and i'll but there is a difference because you you get people out there And I know this because I grew up with my my grandfather and my father were shareholders. And to them, that was huge. You know, it was just such, it was an emotional thing. They would never join Club 1872, right? Because they they wouldn't want fan ownership, but they do want to own a share in Rangers. But people like me who do believe in fan ownership, we still have Club 1872. It's the best of both worlds. And again, I don't quite understand why... It always needs to be in. Yeah, bad thing. yeah. yeah but always needs to be in competition and always needs to be diametrically opposed. I uh, I I hope that I'm able to invest in this in this upcoming share issue. It's, I haven't cancelled my direct debits to Club 1872 and I'm not going to. But there are there are people out there who will make different choices based on their money. Surely, if money goes to Rangers one way or the other, that's a good thing. And if someone doesn't believe in fan ownership, I hope I'll be able to persuade them over the years about why I believe in it. But if not, and they want to put a couple of thousand pounds into my club that will help us be more competitive on the pitch, then by all means, you know, let's have that opportunity for them to do it. And again, I think at times you just need to question why when people come up with reasons and come up with, you know, Negative thing. I don't believe it is. To me, it's quite exciting because you've got Club 1872. They, you know, they're, they're doing their big drive for legacy members, and you know, they, they're hoping to get to twenty thousand of them. And then you've got other fans who will never be reached by that because there are some people who are just dead set against it. I know that after years at the RST, but they'll invest in this. So to me, I'm with CD, I think it's just it's the right thing at the right time. You can't ask after can you imagine if they'd asked for this last summer i don't think it would have done very well right I, if, we, if know, we didn't win the league this year <laughs> oh 100 you know forget it right so you know i've heard people say things like oh cash grab well i it's a business and that is sort of their job and at the end of the day if you don't want to get involved in it Absolutely. then you know you obviously don't need to but i think that we've got a we're going to be getting into this Champions League and I firmly believe we'll get there. And we're going to be coming up against guys who get £170 million just for being in the league they're in. And that's before, you know, the, the annual Champions League, et cetera, et cetera. We have got to try and get in as much as we can to give us the opportunity to, to box a wee bit at that level. So again, you know, I, I think it's, it's heartening and the other thing of course is i think any mention of a share issue sends certain dog food eating bloggers wild um i i continually hope stevie and i have discussed this a lot i hope for the next couple of years i am continuing to read this shite on on these types of blogs because it was partly that it was partly their self coholism that absolutely let let Celtic run themselves into the ground because they were too busy looking at us and inventing scenarios that we would find ourselves in that they didn't bother looking and they're now in a position where I, I mean, if I had been appointed to Celtic in, you know, last summer and told, right, Davy, you're on a mission for the Bears run them into the ground I honestly don't believe I could have done better
0: Aye, oh, and I think, uh, <laughs> I
3: think that's Sorry, probably that a fair... i
2: that got, a, real, that got, that got a, a raw belly laugh there, Apologies.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's also perhaps a, a good place to, to draw draw the curtains down on the dance floor, so to speak, when it comes to this particular episode. And so what I do is uh, I'll reach out and say, CJ, where can people find you and your content?
2: If you want to see any more or anything like that, I will be at CJNovo92 on YouTube. Stephen?
1: Yeah, four lads had a dream dot blog on the net. We're also Four Lads of the Dream on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, etc. Quite a lot of good things um on their pod um blog wise and things. But podcast wise, myself and David are doing um the podcast he mentioned about Stephen Gerard, um, an evolution of a revolution, which is a lot of fun. We've had some great feedback on it. It's free to listen, hosted on Hand Patreon site. But um, it's six episodes, all about his time at Rangers and his growth to where we are now. We're looking at each season individually. We started off by looking at how he gets there. There'll be a wee Q&A for everyone to get involved in as well. And it's generally one of the best podcast things I've been involved in. And not only that, I think the reaction, David, as well, has, has been phenomenal. So really enjoying that. And I would urge people to definitely please check that out.
0: Nice one. David?
3: Yeah, uh, heartandhand.co.uk and, hand, uh, and uh, you, you get our free pods, of course, every Monday and Thursday, wherever you get your podcast. But if you want to hear a wee bit more and that's where we can do kind of in-depth stuff like Stevie just mentioned there, uh, go to our Patreon site, patreon.com forward slash heartandhand. Um, but can I just say that, you know, I, I'm going to get totes and mosh here, lads, totes and moche. Um Firstly... We started doing this a year ago and we haven't lost a league game since. Coincidence <sighs> Look, <laughs> All I will say is not all heroes wear capes. Absolutely. Right? But you know Modesty forbids the four of us saying it was down to us, but if you wanted to say it, I don't think any of us would argue with you. Um, But the quality of the Rangers fan media this year, not just us, you know, there's loads of other guys out there as well, but, you know, Stevie's articles have been brilliant, CJ's videos are superb. He's now, uh, even just pure entertainment for his, his, his gaming streams and he's now bloody certain game of bloody rangers legend uh not that <laughs> i'm jealous uh the, the quality and depth from tii is superb as well including the women's show the new women's show which is absolutely brilliant i think you've dedicated channel for that now in fact over at i would be confident to put up rangers fan media against any media coverage in this country i would be Absolutely content to walk in with us and you know several of the other guys who are producing stuff and say, you know, right, we will put this up against anybody in terms of quality, and I think we would win. Oh mate,
0: here, here to to that particular point, and I'll, I'll bookend it then by saying you can get obviously www.thisibrox.co.uk, our Twitter handle is at cybrox and at tii women for that women's channel that David had just referenced there. And I would bookend it all by saying it has been a fantastic record-breaking season. But when it comes to Rangers, the history-making and the record-breaking doesn't stop here. So to the wider Rangers community, to my friends on this particular podcast, bye for now.